How to Stop Self-Sabotage in Its Tracks. Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name is Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today we've got a really important question. How do we stop stopping ourselves? How do we allow ourselves the good that wants to find its way to us? How do we say yes to a better life when we've never really known one? Here's today's question. Heather, I've heard you say that happiness is a choice. I get in theory that we can't control what happens to us, only how we respond to it. That being said, no matter how much I want to respond differently, that simply isn't working for me. My mother wasn't a good one, Heather. She was addicted to pain pills, never really held down a job. Sometimes the only meal I would eat in a day was my school lunch, scraps donated by my friends who felt bad for me. The first word I think of when it comes to my childhood is hungry. I was hungry all the time, Heather. My mom was a mean addict. She mocked me for being skin and bones while never really owning responsibility for why I was so rail thin in the first place. She taunted me, berated me, belittled me, threatened me, and scared me. I don't think she ever said one nice thing. I was an only child and she was a single parent, so she was all I knew for the longest time. I left home when I was 16. Some would say I was a runaway, but I don't know what they call it when you don't have a home or a family that you're actually running from, and I don't know that my mom ever noticed I was gone or tried to look for me. It might come as no surprise that I've built a life for myself in restaurant kitchens. I started washing dishes, moved to food prep, sous chef, and every step along the way except for the top one. I think I could be a head chef or an executive chef. I'm 34 now and have been offered the opportunity a few times, but I have only agreed to cover vacation so far. I've tried for a couple of interviews, but I self-sabotage right before I get the job. Once in a skills interview, I weakened my knife skills. I still hate myself for that. Anytime things are about to get better or I start to think they can be better, I stop it and F it all up. I've gotten myself this far and have no clue why I can't get myself the rest of the way. Why do I always seem to break down right before I cross the finish line? Ah, my heart hurts for you. Um, I, I want to help you with this and I hope you'll tune in to the other side and I've got your back. The risk I take when I say that happiness is a choice is that I oversimplify it. And I think, dear listener, that's what's happening for you. That because I'm saying it simply and plainly, you think you should be able to do it just like that. But as your letter points out to me, you have a long story that exists before you and I ever cross paths before you ever considered my message that happiness is a choice, before you ever dared to dream greatly or bigger than simply surviving and finding your next meal. You've got inner strength and resiliency that you don't even know you possess. A 16-year-old going out into the world on their own, finding their first job, finding their way, getting a roof over their heads, all of it is incredible for the past years that you've been doing that. You have gotten yourself from 16 to 34 with your choices, all of them, the good, the bad, the regrettable. I get it. You don't like some of them, but the big picture here is you made a choice that you matter. You made a choice to not only survive, but to thrive.
you've worked your way up a ladder, you've learned the skill set necessary to build a real life that can be more consistent and more reliable than part-time jobs and piecemeal jobs in restaurants. I get it. You see the finish line. You know you have the ability to cross it, but you just can't get yourself there. The thing you're battling is your story of your life. The story of your life is to be scrappy, to be a survivor, to just get through the day. That's how you got here, by getting through the day, by scrapping your way through the day with the lunch scraps at lunch, by scrapping your way through the first night you were out of your house, scrapping your way through your first job, probably having to talk yourself into it a couple of times, telling some tall tales, doing whatever you needed to to get by. The idea of being a head chef or an executive chef or managing other people takes you away from that story. Right now, this is the only identity you know. This is the only way of life you know is the hustle and the grind of pushing day to day, seeing yourself as a big picture, seeing yourself as somebody who's in charge of other people, who can be in charge of a vision or a dream for a restaurant, who can design a menu and all of the leadership things that come from being a head chef or an executive chef. I get why that feels so scary to you because you've only done it on your own. You've only been responsible for yourself. You've only had to get yourself across the finish line on like a day-to-day -day basis. And suddenly you're in a position where if you cross that finish line, your livelihood is also connected to the livelihood of other people, to how their days end and how their days go, whether or not they learn the skills necessary to advance their careers, whether or not the restaurant is a success, whether or not the owners are happy with you, all of it. As soon as you cross that finish line, it's not just you anymore. I get it and I think I can help. My story about you is that if I asked you how you did it, you wouldn't be able to tell me. You wouldn't really know. You did one foot in front of the other, one meal at a time, one day at a time, one night at a time. If I asked you to tell me the story of how you got here, you're probably not tuned into that. And that's why you can't see yourself on the other side of the story. Step one of this process is to look at where you've been and respect how far you've gotten on your own. I want you to think about the skill set you've built, the toolkit of life you've developed, how you've learned to work with people, how you've learned to do tasks that nobody taught you, how you've learned to navigate this professional world up until this point. You don't know because you've just been focusing on getting through the day. But I want, it, I want you to take some time to think about how would you tell a dishwasher to get to the next step? And I don't know how kitchens work. I don't know the order. I don't know how many steps there are between like dish, you know, dishwasher and uh, food prep or sous chef or, you know, how many steps along the way or if it even starts a dishwasher or you're doing something else before. But if you had to teach a 16-year-old what to do, what would you tell that 16-year-old? How'd you do it? Because you're not paying attention to that. You're not cataloging everything you know.
And because you don't have a catalog of everything you know, you don't think you can sell yourself for the big job because you think someone's going to ask you a question and you're going to be revealed to be a fraud. You think they're going to find out the truth about you, that you're just a scrappy, good-for-nothing, dot-dot-dot kid that your mom said you were all along, right? That's the story that plays in your head not the actual story of who you are and how you got yourself in front of that person interviewing you for a new job at their restaurant. The way to get in touch with that is because it's so intense, because it's so painful, because it brings up so much darkness, we don't need to trigger you here. We don't need to bring out the mud and the muck and the darkness and the trauma and the hurts and the fears and the scares to get you to the next place. But we do need to get you connected to what it is you know and how you came to know it. And the easiest way to do that is to imagine yourself teaching someone else because everything you know how to teach is something you've learned for yourself. And there are going to be parts of the journey of running a kitchen, of being a head chef or an executive chef that you're simply not going to know because you haven't been taught that or you haven't looked at yourself in that role yet. So when that skill set has been modeled for you, demonstrated for you, or shown to you, you haven't been open to learning it because you haven't considered that it's open to you. Step one, we got to get you connected to what it is you know and how you came to know it. What would you tell someone brand new? Think about the knife skills beyond the knife skills and that job interview situation sucks and I'm going to get back to that. But think about all of it. How do you learn the timing? How do you learn to work with impossible bosses? My guess is your mom was great practice for that. She didn't go easy on you and she was abusive and from what I understand about the kitchen life is that there's a fair share of abuse there too. So I'm sure that some of the ways you've been spoken to some of the ways you've been treated and talked to, you were able to move through because it felt familiar. But you want to get a sense of the 34-year-old version of you. Who are you today? You have to update your story of yourself because my guess is, and my assumption here, is that you are thinking of yourself as that same scrappy, bone-thin 16-year-old, and you've come a long way. You have to take stock and give yourself credit for the things you know now and how you came to know them. Next, I want you to give some thought to whether or not you even want what's on the other side of the finish line. That head chef position, the head cook, the executive chef, is that really what you want? Or is it only what you think you're supposed to want because you've gotten this far? My guess is in the life that you've had, the what do you want question has never measured in importance on the Richter scale. It's always simply been, what do I need to get by? What is going to get me through the day, through tomorrow, through the week? You've never stopped and asked yourself, is this what I want? You might be self-sabotaging because even though everyone sees your potential, sees your journey, has been, you know, paying attention to your path or sees your skill set and they think you should be at the top of the ladder in the kitchen, maybe you don't think that for yourself. Maybe, you know, your dishwashing job was just a way you were going to get a meal every day. It wouldn't surprise me if that was true, if it was just a happy accident. But do you love it? 
Do you love restaurant life? And do you want this for yourself? I want you to get clear on that. And if the answer is no, okay, we'll, we'll help write back to me because <laughs> I can't do all of it in a single podcast episode. Write back to me or get on a call with me and I'll help you figure out what, hap- what do you do when the path you're on isn't the one you want. Um, that's a good podcast episode. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that one tomorrow just in case. Um, but say you do want it. Say it absolutely when no one's looking, no one's paying attention, you find yourself sketching the design for your dream restaurant, or you find yourself coming up with your own menu ideas, or you think to yourself the way the restaurant you're currently working at is being run would be so much better if only they X, Y, and Z. If you own for yourself that you want it, start to get a picture of what it would look like if you had it. And I know that now we're bumping into vulnerability, putting you in front of something that you want, that you may not get, that may not happen, or a vision that someone who hires you could change and say, nope, I I get that you have your own menu ideas, I get that you have your own design ideas, but this is my show, my restaurant, and we're doing it my way. Wanting something is going to be incredibly vulnerable for you. The way you survived is to never want, to never pay attention to unmet needs. The way you got through your every day was to simply discount your own opinion, your own thoughts, your own feelings, and just do what was ever necessary to survive. You've never imagined what it is you want. So you can't imagine what you're interviewing for. It's just this concept that's outside of yourself. But I think if you slow yourself down, give yourself permission just for a little while to daydream, to get really in tune to what it would be like if the show was yours, if the restaurant had your name next to it under head chef or executive chef or co-chef or whatever the title is that you're going for, what might it be like? What would it feel like? What's your vision, your plans, your ideas? Where do everyone else, where does everyone else get it all wrong and you think you would have it right? Get really in touch with that vision and picture. Because without that, you're not going to feel armed for an interview. You're not going to know what your vision is. And you know enough about the industry to know that someone's going to ask you. And you have never dared to dream, so you've never dared to vision. And you're imagining that when that question gets asked, you will freeze, which is why you're stopping yourself at the finish line, because you don't want to be asked the questions you don't have answers to. That your, you know, sort of 18-year journey through life that has gotten you from 16 to, to now, it doesn't count for much in your mind. You haven't really given the credit that it's due, so you don't know what you would say or how you would defend it in a job interview. I think you're stopping yourself at that part because you don't know the answers. And our first step is to get you ready to answer them. Before you sell yourself, you have to come to a place of accepting yourself. 
of recognizing that, yeah, you may have some skill sets that are missing. There may be parts of you that aren't entirely ready for a head chef position. But to know that while also holding everything you do know, everything you're capable of, every way that you could benefit a new restaurant or, you know, a new, you know, a restaurant that's pivoting or changing itself, that you have something to offer, that you may be bringing weaknesses to the table, but you're also bringing strengths. Recognizing that because your path started out rocky with abuse and neglect and trauma, that you weren't entirely set up for success, but you paved your own path. I think about the idea of you being unapologetically authentic in front of whoever you find yourself interviewing for. Instead of pretending who you think you're supposed to be, imagining who you think you're supposed to be, being upfront with whoever's interviewing you. Hey, look, 18 years ago, I was a 16-year-old kid living in an abusive home, and I didn't know where my next meal was. I'm someone who built my life from there to here, and now I'm standing in front of you asking for a job. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. And this is what I'm willing to learn. And this is how good I am at learning it. See what I did there? I'm helping you hold both. I'm helping you use your story, accept your story, any limitations that come with it, but also in openness, a willingness to learn, and recognizing that this is just what's next. You use the finish line example, and I, I think you set up yourself, I think you set yourself up to fail using the finish line example. I think you have to just say, this is the next step. And the boss who doesn't get that, who doesn't want to hire you because of that, who thinks you're a risk or who thinks you're a gamble, not the right boss for you. You need to be hired by somebody who sees the value in the story, who's going to help you find your value in the story, who's going to help you take the parts that you know, teach you the parts that you don't, and give you permission and encouragement to grow. But before you get there, you're going to find that any potential employer is way more accepting of your perceived flaws than you are. It starts with you, my friend. It starts with you accepting yourself, recognizing that the warts, the bumps, the calluses, the bruises, the scars are uniquely yours, and they're not a bad thing, and that they're okay. They've been hard fought. They've been hard won. You can't be embarrassed about them. You can't be ashamed of them. You can't run away from them. You've got to own them. You didn't have the childhood you deserved, but the adulthood that you do deserve is right in front of you. You got to give yourself permission to want it, to have it, and to let it be yours. That your childhood does not have to be your adulthood. That where, where you are right now won't always be, and it can be better. But you have to choose to let it be better. You have to choose that you want it, and you're going to get yourself to the other side of it, and you're going to go after it. Until you accept yourself, you're making it really hard for anyone else to. And to stop standing in your own way you have to own where you've been, 
own where you want to go and all of the tools and tricks and skills you know to get there and everything you still need to learn. But you gotta let it be possible. If you're finding yourself still stuck and lost as I walk you through this, as I kind of get you through this process, you might have some grieving left to do. Because sometimes when we haven't grieved what the childhood we didn't get that we deserved, the relationship with the mother that we wanted but didn't get, or even knowing, I don't know if you know who your father is, you just mentioned that you you were raised by a single mother, and I don't know if you had your father in your life, but whatever your life was, if all you've done is survive it, and you haven't taken some time to grieve it, you were going to stay stuck and frozen because getting to the other side, allowing yourself to flourish, be successful, and really build a life of meaning means accepting that those things happen to you. And if you haven't grieved it, it's really hard to accept it because you get tied to anger, resentment, and remorse and all of that when you look back on it. When we are put in front of new opportunities, when we're given permission to be someone else, to have a new life and to take a new step, if we haven't said goodbye to the old one, if we haven't honored the old one, we're going to have a really hard time moving into the new one. So you might have to come to grips and process your past just a bit. And if you're stuck, you might need some therapy. You might need to talk to someone about it. But I know you can get to the other side of it. But you just have to, this, again, this is where it gets pithy and oversimplistic. You just have to choose to. You have to choose that you want this for yourself. And once you come up with that self-acceptance, once you look back on where you've been and where you're going, Nothing can stop you if you stop stopping yourself. You just put yourself in front of the dream restaurant you want, the type of job you want, and you say, here, here I am, unapologetically me. Here's my story. Here's what I know. Here's what I need you to teach me. And here's what I'm willing to do to learn. And you see what happens next. You gotta come to grips with your past without letting it define you, without letting it be the continual permanent story of you. It's just one chapter. You get to write the next one. I really hope this has helped. I hope you have a frame on things. I hope you have a sense on where you can go next. And I really hope you write back and tell me how the story turned out. I'm really, I'm really kind of invested in this for you. And to anyone listening, if you want my two cents on your story, if you want to hear uh, what I uh, think on where you're going and where you could go next, do write to me over at Heather at Choose to Have It All. Join me and find me at my Facebook group by the same name, and together we'll figure it out. I'll talk to you tomorrow.